Wow, what a great intro. Hello everyone, my name is Christian Napier and I am the host of this Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I am joined by my partner in crime, the one and only Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? I am so fantastic, Christian, and you know, doubly happy that I get to see you so soon after I just saw you. Yeah, we just had lunch yesterday with our good friend Patrick at our designated restaurant, Red Iguana, which is uh, the best pl place to get mole in the state, if not in the country. And uh, so we had some delicious uh, mole amarillo uh, yesterday, and uh, it's great to see you uh, for the second time this week. That's a very <laughs> rare thing. It is a rare thing, and great great to see you. And yes, so this is a 19-year tradition, and I'm just counting it. I think we started it, what, in 2004? Have I got that wrong? I think you're correct. I think it was about 2004 when we first started working together uh, on a project, and we've been maintaining it ever since then. Even even during the times where you were away, you were in, living in Las Vegas for several years at that time, but whenever you would come into town, uh, we would reconvene and, and have lunch there at Red Iguana. So uh, it was great to see you and Patrick again yesterday. Such an honor for me to, to be you know with you and for these last 19 years. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it very much, and here's to another 19, or hopefully more. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm excited today, Christian. How about you? Well, I'm really excited because it feels a bit like Christmas morning for me. Uh, we received emails from our guest, who you'll introduce in a second, with instructions not to open those emails until just before the show. So uh, I just opened it, and I'm super excited to talk about what I just received from our guest. So Spencer, why don't you go ahead and introduce her? Absolutely. I mean, our, our theme for today is cognitive diversity. And you and I, as we know, are, are both fairly diverse in, in how we think. But uh, at the beginning of December, I happened to attend the PMI Global uh, Conference, as you know. And one of the speakers that, that caught my attention, and I was not the only one. I mean, her, atten her, her session was, was packed with, with people was Teresa Lawrence that I'm going to introduce you to here in a moment. And, you know, I, I speak, I present, and so I'm always interested in, in, in other speakers who do a great job. She has incredible energy. She's a subject matter expert in an area that I think is so valuable and useful. And we do some similar things, but she has such a different approach. I'm like, we've got to have her on because she's absolutely brilliant. Well, Teresa Lawrence is, uh, she she's, has a PhD and she's also a, a, a project manager and has been for many years. She has the designation of PMP. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second because when you manage projects, you've got to bring the best thinking of, of everybody to the table, and she has the ability to do that. But she is recognized as a subject matter expert on the integration of creative problem solving into project management. And she provides professional services uh, uh, cr in creativity, creative problem solving, process evaluation, project management, and a variety of development support to help organizations innovate and implement solutions that build organizational capacity 
and ensure value realization, which is so important to, to so many organizations. I mean, it's just, that's the reason they exist, raison d'etre. Um, Teresa is president and owner of International Deliverables, LLC, a New York State woman business enterprise. And, you know, she brings that New York attitude and energy, and it's just so much fun to, to talk to her. And, uh, and a 2019 Small Business Administration home business, uh, home-based business award recipient, since uh, 2017, over 80,000 individuals have been trained by Teresa. So that's a, that's a good number. Uh, or have participated in a problem-solving session she facilitated. Now, Teresa is a former superintendent of the schools of New York State. And if there's anything that prepares you for dealing with adults, if you can talk to kids, adults are easy, right? I mean, keeping them engaged... Uh, you get to adults and, and uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, that, I'm so excited to, to have her. I'm going to bring her up on, on the screen here. Welcome, Teresa. We are so glad to have you. Friends, it's so great to be here. Spencer and Christian, I consider it just an, just an honor to be with you uh, and certainly continue to spread good things about project management, creative problem solving. And as you said about today's work, this notion of cognitive diversity, your thinking preferences toward creative problem solving and innovation. And the big thing that I would want any listener to take away is it's about preference, not ability. We all have preferences and we have the ability to learn and almost to kind of compensate or build build onto our skill set so that we can cover our bases. You know, so I, I want you to ways. highlight why that's so important that you that you really call that out. Um, I mean, in, in my work, I see a lot of times people get stuck in the idea that mm -hmm. this is who I am. I have this profile and that's why I'm, I'm behaving this way. And, and sometimes that, I mean, is that what you see? I mean, why, why do you call that out right at the beginning? Right at the beginning. And, you know, sometimes I find it's easier for folks to kind of wrap their head around this. If, and if anybody who's listening just wiggles their finger and then clutches their hands together, right, one thumb will go on top naturally. But if you took your hands apart and then tried to put the other thumb on top, you can do it. You have the ability to do it. It's not your preference. And so the reason why I want to point this out to individuals, to teams, organizations, not-for-profits, companies, is that when we root ourselves in our preference and we understand it, we can do a couple of things. We can start the conversation about the importance of any diversity but in terms of cognitive diversity, we can recognize, let's hire for skill, let's recognize who brings what preference. And so if we're working on a short-term problem versus a longer, more ambiguous challenge, we can team folks up strategically, intentionally to solve, to solve the short-term problem. Or if it is this big ambiguous problem, let's make sure that we're not losing some key component of a problem. We don't want to lose sight of not clarifying or not generating ideas or not making ideas better or not driving them home. So it really begs this whole notion of that if everybody was on the team like Teresa, we're only going to solve the problem the way Teresa's solved the problem. And that doesn't that doesn't get us to novel and useful solutions. That, that that's right. And and I mean you you're you're jumping in right now, which is I'm so excited to have people understand everything that you're just talking about. But before we do that, I, what drew you to this work? What got you started in in being this uh, expert that you are right now? Thank you. So 
I came up the ranks in public education in 2016. I was superintendent of schools and I hit a milestone, milestone. And I had a conversation with my husband and with my family. And I said, gosh, do I want to do this for the rest kind of of my professional career? And really the answer was no, because what I wanted to do was leverage two things that I do best as a give back to the universe. Coming up the ranks as a superintendent, I realized that a lot of my work was project management, getting buses on time, getting budgets going together, doing $61 million capital projects, putting new curriculum in place, projects. And as a teacher, as an educator, as a professional developer, as a public speaker, this notion of facilitating with cohesion, with great stakeholder buy-in, with great inclusion. And so I said, huh, I wonder if I could make a career out of the combination of those two. Creativity, facilitating creativity, creative problem solving, and project management. And the answer is yes. So after that career, I went back to school and finished my certification in creative problem solving, change management and leadership, and formally obtained my PMP. The rest is just history. People need this number one skill. PMI are calling them the power skills, soft skills, negotiation, facilitation, meeting management, in terms of project management requirements collection, stakeholder identification, risk assessment. And so being able to take these two things that I do so well, project management and creativity, when you intersect them, teams are on fire, work is on fire and value, boom. I, I like that. Teams are on fire. And so wh what is the biggest challenge that you see, Teresa, in getting teams to get on fire? Mm -hmm. What I find is that teams wrestle with each other and not the problems. So there's friction, right? Like, why are they asking so many questions? Why are they trying to perfect it? Why is Teresa just trying to get something done? And we end up wrestling with each other. When we look at cognitive diversity and our thinking preferences toward problem solving, we can shift that wrestling of each other and refocus it to wrestling with the problem. I now have two things, an understanding of my thinking preference and secondly, the thinking preferences of my teammates. And so what I don't do is acquiesce. I don't have to be angry anymore. We will have a common language, common understanding one about problem solving, and two, the preferences that are around the table. I always like to say, not everybody has to be at the meeting. What are we focusing on? What's the problem? Who is there? Who maybe needs to be there? So teams really jump on quite quickly because it's a time to learn about yourself. And we'll talk about your profiles in just a minute where you have this revelation, I, I can't help being me. Once we know what that is and we know that about others, again, we can focus on wrestling with the problem and stop wrestling with each other. So I would like to ask you, Teresa, you know, there are a lot of different frameworks or methodologies uh, that you could use to, to help identify these, but you, you've, you've adopted one that you've shared with us and had us uh, kind of, well, not necessarily evaluate ourselves, but we use this methodology so that you could draw out our preferences. So how did you come across the methodology that you use and uh, how is it beneficial 
what was the reasoning behind going ahead and, and choosing the specific methodology that, that the, or tool set uh, that, that you've chosen to use with teens? Yeah, so I'm an alum of the International Center for Studies and Creativity in Buffalo State in Buffalo, New York. And it's there where kind of really two things come, came together. The study of the creative problem solving process, 60 years in research. Where foresight comes into play is Dr. Gerard Puccio, who is the chair of the department, said, hmm, if there's this creative problem solving process to clarify, ideate, develop, and implement, I wonder if people have preferences, if they move towards stages of the creative problem solving, some more than others. And the simple answer is yes. We will have either one, two, three, or four preferences to those stages of creative problem solving. And so for me, when I facilitate problem solving, when I lead teams and organizations through kind of becoming unstuck and finding clarity around what they want to do, it also makes sense to say, what are my preferences? Where do I lean in and lean toward when I'm problem solving? So whenever I work with any organization, first thing we do is the foresight assessment. So we know who's on the team. Then I'll teach tools and the creative problem solving process. So as we're looking at our team composition, if we need to be generating ideas and we don't have a team of a lot of ideators, ha, we're not off the hook. Let's use a tool that helps us ideate. So this insight doesn't kind of doesn't give you a free pass. What it does is give you responsibility. So, so what I'm hearing you say is, okay, so we have a team and we're missing a, a, a strength or a, a preference represented on this team. That is, we don't throw up our hands and say, okay, we can't come up with ideas. You provide tools to assist them with their level of thinking, how to, to work through that ideation process is what I just heard you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. It typically looks like this. I'll do the foresight assessment and we'll do an activity with the team so that they can kind of laugh a little bit at each other and themselves where their preferences are revealed. And then we'll look at a team composition and we'll do that for you two in just a moment. The follow-up to that is actually to teach the creative problem solving process and the thinking tools that accompany each stage of the problem. So when I'm back working with teams and organizations and doing teaching and instruction, I can say, friends, we're now going to focus on ideating. Here's who does have preferences, here who does not have preferences, and here are some tools that you can use. Because just, just because somebody has it as a preference doesn't mean it's only their responsibility. No, let's teach the team tools. So again, nobody's off the hook that we have increased synergy, greater participation, and as a result, better, more ideas from which to choose. Okay, I, I, so one of the other things I just heard you say, you actually have to teach people how to be think creatively. I mean, we don't just sit around a table and come up with ideas and brainstorm. I mean, we all know how to communicate, right? So why, why don't we just communicate? Or why don't we just all come up with ideas? Why doesn't that work? Why do we actually have to, why do you actually have to teach these skills? Well, first of all, anybody can learn to be creative. Anybody can learn to be creative. And even if you don't know your foresight preference, we, we get through problems, right? We encounter something. We kind of go, what's going on here? What's the history? What's the context? We ideate. What am I going to do to make my way forward? We're going to develop. How do I make that better? And then we're going to implement it. I have to get it done. 
So we all do the creative problem solving process, maybe even subconsciously. When we learn it explicitly and creativity, creative problem solving, critical thinking have consistently been the top three desired, required, essential skills that organizations are looking for. So you have to learn it. You have to learn it. And when we do learn it explicitly, we have greater kind of astuteness to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, where are we in this problem? Oh, we're landing on clarifying. Let's use creative questions, how to, how might, in what way, what might be all the ways to really get to what we call root cause. Why do we want to do that? Because we want to solve the problem and not the symptom. Now that we're clarifying, now we can say from all of these challenges for which would we like ideas? And we could use any number of tools, brainstorming, brain writing, scamper to generate ideas. Then from among those ideas, let's make some distinctions to make those ideas better before we start to choose an idea, developing them, and then implement them. What might be the path forward? So we do this naturally, but if we learn it, we can do it better. More And here we go. Trigger figure Spencer. <laughs> I thought that was a great place to emphasize. We could do it better. Come on, Teresa. <laughs> well, we could do it better. It's a, it's a perfect, that was just a perfect illustration of Spencer's implementer focus, right? It's like, great, let's pull the trigger. Let's go. <laughs> so let's talk about this for just a second, guys. I had to, uh, as Spencer said, he saw me do a workshop at PMI at the Global Summit where individuals became aware of this thing called cognitive diversity. And I said, before we do this show today, let's have you both take your assessment. So I saw your results before you saw your results. But let's, for, for, for all of our listeners there, let me, let me ask you, when you both working together on a team are faced with kind of some challenge or thing newly that you want to do, let's hear a little bit about how you go about individually doing that. And then let's talk about your, your profiles. Christian, you want to start off here? Sure, I'll start off. I mean, the, well, the primary thing that we do together is we do this podcast. Uh, and the, and our, our approach to this podcast has evolved over time. And I would say that for me, uh, I like to, I like to feel comfortable that I've got some key talking points identified. I kind of understand how the flow is going to go. I don't need to know the exact questions that are going to be asked, but I just like to have a general roadmap. Uh, Spencer is very happy to just dive in and start talking. You know, we'll have a conversation. We'll see how it see how it comes out. And more often than not, it turns out well. Uh, but I found that that we've kind of had to come to a compromise where uh, where Spencer likes very short emails and I write very long emails. It's like okay, we'll just settle on just trying to identify the three or four points. That's good enough for everybody, and that gives us a a, a way forward. And uh, uh, so it's been a it's been an absolute joy, I have to say, uh, working with Spencer on this podcast yeah, since uh, COVID started. Uh, had a lot of fun, met a lot of great, amazing people like you, and uh, and we figured out how to 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 make this work. I think for to uh, really, it, we really meet both of our preferences, don't you think, Spencer? 
Oh, absolutely. And and I love working with Christian because he has all the thoughtfulness that that I don't have because while I'm diving in blabbering, he's thinking of the brilliant questions and listening and and <laughs> and uh and so one of the things that that I've done to kind of slow down my my driver is I have created systems and part of that is you know promoting the podcast means we have to think in advance what are we going to talk about and sometimes it's the day before uh and and that's you know early on it was Christian like okay well what are we going to what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, oh, we'll figure it out. Just read this article and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and uh, I think we have uh, gotten, Christian is, is is super flexible and I'm striving to be more prepared. You guys couldn't have done a better tee-up. So here are some of the things that I said, even just this last thing, Spencer, that you said, is that, right, uh, Christian needs to clarify what it is we're going to be doing. And you said, We'll just figure it out, right? So again, these are these are words. These are these are descriptions of preferences of preferences. So when we'll look in just a second at your results, what we know from Christian is that he's what's called a hare, right? So he has a more of a preference toward clarifying, ideating, and developing, and definitely more hair than and definitely more hair than implementing. Where Spencer, you are what we call a driver, idea and go. And so you could imagine, you could imagine, I could imagine at the beginning of your working relationship that Christian needed to ask a lot more questions, right? He needed to understand where are we going? How are we moving forward? What are you talking about? Whereas you might have been thinking, Spencer, in your head, like with the questions already, let's just go. We'll figure it out. And I can see, I can see Christian nodding. And this is, again, where we talk about wrestling with each other right? Christians asking questions. What that can mean for a teammate is frustration, holding back, right? Overanalyzing, getting stuck. And Spencer in his head is going, come on, come on, come on. I have this great idea. So this is again, right? If, if we understand preferences, we're a little gentler with each other. And the beauty about DEI initiatives is that we become truthfully, authentically tolerant. And in fact, we, we actively seek to leverage these preferences because you help fill my gaps. You know, and so, uh, Teresa, that's exactly what I was going to say. First of all, I, I value Christian's approach, and I value him as an individual. And, and so one of the things that causes me to put on the brakes is my respect for, for him as a, as a thought leader, as a, as a person, as a human. And so... That causes me to to say, okay, what am I doing that could make his life better? And and you know that that's a that, that's a part of diversity, right? I have to maybe mm -hmm. make myself adapt to to the team and bring my strengths and and utilize his and value his. I couldn't agree with you more. The word that I would add is leverage, right? Like Christian keeps you out of trouble. Because he's going to give you kind of like most like of the time, a, most of the time. But he gives you he as a clear as somebody who has a, a preference toward clarifying, he's going to give you bumpers like railings in which to operate, right? That lets your ideas flourish, but it but it 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 just kind of gives them a space to work within that. When I was a superintendent of schools, I'm a very high implementer, and that simply means I move to action. I'll run through a wall. I'll get things done. It makes sense for me to really anchor myself with team members 
that are clarifiers. I used to call them my headlights. They see things and ask questions that I wouldn't ask. And so again, this diversity, it's not acquiescing, it's not tolerating, it's not putting up with, it is the most beautiful example of the necessity to know, understand, and then in terms of powerful teams, intentionally, strategically leverage, combine, and utilize that which is different from me. So let's, can we take a look at your profiles? Uh, absolutely. Which slide do you want me to put up, uh, Teresa? Uh, if you want to put up the one of both of your, uh, both of your uh, profiles, that would be terrific. This terrific. one right so here? Let's just, yep, that's just great. So for our listeners out there, let's, let's just talk about what we have. We have, when you take the foresight assessment, 39 questions, it's taken online, takes less than about 10 minutes. And again, it will reveal your thinking preferences. So we have Christian on the left-hand side. And remember the four stages of problem solving, clarifying, what's the context, what's the history, ideating, generating new and novel ideas, developing, really giving the idea some legs and implementing, driving it home. So Christian has preferences toward clarifying, ideating, and developing. And if you look at a foresight profile, there's a neutral zone. What falls above that neutral zone are your peak preferences. But then Christian kind of, pulls back, does not have a preference toward implementing. So he'll understand, he generates good ideas, he develops them, he gets them right at the brink. And then he could pull them off, but really he'd rather not. If we look at Spencer, on the other hand, not a preference toward clarifying, but oh, if you need some ideas, he's gonna hop right on it, developing them, eh. And then he's gonna go to implementing where he has a lot more energy. So the power of this is that we, we certainly capitalize on our preferences. Some things to note that are also downfalls, things like drivers, individuals that are drivers, high ideators, they need big picture. They need their ideas to be understood. Implementers need to feel like there's action, can get frustrated when people don't seem to be moving along as quickly. Developers, they're going to tinker ideators going to generate ideas, clarifiers going to give context. So as I said in the beginning, if it's a short problem, quick solution problem, it makes sense to put like-minded people together. For example, if outside of your studio right now, 300 people were going to show up and they needed somewhere to park, I beg you, don't bring Christian to the table. He's going to ask questions. How come they're here? Why are they here? Should we have known about that? Should we have planned further? Have we ever been here before? When really that small problem, that context, that history doesn't matter. We need ideas where to park them. So That's give right. that problem, give that problem to Spencer and like preferenced individuals to solve the problem. If, however, it's a much more complex problem, coming back out of COVID, starting up a new podcast relocating an entire family, you want, you need desperately to have all of those thinking preferences there. Remember, because you have this insight, you're not off the hook, you have responsibility. And if you have a team where you're still lacking individuals of that preference, boom, learn the tools of creative problem solving so that you can recognize we don't have a lot of high ideators. What are some tools that we could use to honor, not forego, not skip, 
that important part of the creative problem solving process. All right. Well, I've got, I've, I, we could talk about this for hours, but, but I want to come back to the notion of creative problem solving. I, I think this term is interesting because we use this word creative, creativity, creatives, uh, that conjures up in the mind of some people. And I'll just take myself here. It's like, oh, well, we have, we have artists and musicians and we have these and this and this kind of comes up with this I, I have this vision in my brain of what it means to be creative so i'm wondering if you can help us understand the context mm -hmm. of creative problem solving and why do we call it creative problem solving uh is it the same as oh we get it's the musicians it's the artists it's the it's the designers What's the what's the what's the crux of the creative part of this? So creativity is widely defined as novelty that's useful, novelty that's useful, something that's new. That's useful. The follow up to that is innovation, and that is kind of bringing that novelty and usefulness into action. So creativity always precedes innovation. So we're not talking about you're absolutely right. Creativity, making music making art, um, you know, being, being able to be, be an engineer and, and craft a bridge or an architect and see a building come into play. Creativity is defined as novelty that's useful. So creative problem solving, creativity, looking at new, useful ways, problem, any issue, challenge, opportunity, solving, coming up and arriving at a solution. So creative, intentionally novelty that's useful to address any problem, challenge, solution, to arrive at these solutions that actually allow us to address it or mitigate it or leverage it and exacerbate it. So again, creativity, not about making music. You could use the process to come up and support the creation of music. But again, the arrival of novelty that's useful. Anybody can learn it. And we want to be able to be creative on demand, right? Think about your problems and your projects and your life and your family. I don't know about you, time, energy, resources. I don't have a reset button. I need to solve problems on demand. I need novelty that's useful to understand and address my challenges or leverage my opportunities. Teresa, we have a comment on LinkedIn from Tim Kozenski, and he says, is this like understanding each other, question mark, and then like a DISC assessment? Um, so Tim was wanting some clarification on, on this <laughs> with like a behavioral assessment. Mm -hmm. So foresight, um, so lots of research has been done on foresight that, that allows tremendous correlations with other assessments, things like DISC. The cornerstone, the crux of foresight is the revelation of your thinking preference or preferences for the creative problem solving process and the innovation process. So it is absolutely learning about ourselves and anybody who takes the foresight assessment, it's been my experience in all of my years, they read it and it's as if some person has been walking this earth plane with me since the beginning because it, it's a mirror back, not to ability, but to my preferences. For example, again, I'm a high implementer. And to know me is she goes, 
she does she runs through doors she jumps into pools she doesn't even know if there's water right kind of a downfall but my superpower this girl gets things done i make things happen i bring it across the finish line no surprise to me but when i take the foresight assessment i have this understanding and it lets me then say huh I need to be mindful that I really don't ask clarifying questions. So when I'm running through a door, do I need to run at all? And do I need to run through that door? Let me better understand that. It allows me to say, Teresa, you might want to pause and take some more time to get better ideas about how you need to proceed forward. And you might want to take some time to develop those ideas so that when you're charging forward, you don't have to circle back. You don't have to now take a moment to better understand or come up with a different idea or make an idea better. So it is some absolutely understanding of who we are and again, our preferences toward problem solving. I cannot underscore enough, it's not about ability. We all are functioning adults, some days more than others, but we do solve problems. This allows us to have insight about ourselves, others on our team and their preferences, and also insights to where we might want to develop our abilities further so that we don't miss a base. If, here's the thing. If second grade wasn't important, we would go from first grade to third grade. If ideating wasn't important, we would go from clarifying to developing, but it is important. And we need to honor, we should honor each part of the creative problem solving process so that we ensure effective, sustainable, powerful remedies, solutions to challenges and opportunities. Getting better with that finger, right? Uh, Christian, <laughs> I, I, I love the idea, uh, you know, as you talk about, as we know ourselves, then we can, I find one of the things that, that I have to do is create systems to shore up some of my weaknesses. I get to be more structured because that's a weakness of mine. So I create tools to help me provide that, that structure that I need that doesn't come naturally to me. Um, you know what, we, we only have a few minutes left, and I know you have several slides that, that you want to share. It, any, where, do you, where do we go next? I mean, do you want to share anything else of, of, of the information, Teresa? Well, we can in just a second. Let me, let me just take a moment. So, so here's the thing. We want to understand who we are, and we want to honor those individuals on our teams. So clarifiers, they need context. They need history. They, they want to know, have we done anything like this before, right? At an extreme, they can come, come across as nitpicky. They can get stuck in analysis paralysis. So if we know that about a teammate, how might we manage them better, right? What does that mean? Let's give them the context. Let's give them the history. If you have clarifiers on your team, make sure you've got agendas out before the meetings, right? Let's honor the clarifier. Ideators, how might we support them let them see the big picture. An ideator wants to know where are we going, what are we doing? Honor them, cognitive diversity, understand it, don't have friction with them, keep the friction on the problem. High developers, if you have somebody on a team that says, hang on, hang on, hang on, let me think about that for a second, 
that is a tremendous gift to the team. Give them that moment of pause. Those are our friends that say, let's sleep on this and let's revisit it tomorrow. And high implementers, give them a sense that you are working on it, you are thinking about it, you are developing it, and kind of entertain their level of energy. So I just want to make sure that we point that out. Knowing your preference, knowing what it means at a positive extreme, knowing what it means as it can come across, allows teammates, just like project management, to know a system, to know a process, that we can have common language. Now, if I'm talking to a teammate, I can say, listen, I know you have a high preference for clarifying and you're going to have a lot of questions. Ha, can we limit it to 10? Can you get those questions to us in advance? I do so much work with schools and superintendents and school board presidents. And once they know their preferences, we had a superintendent that was a high, high implementer, action, action, action. And a school board president that was a high clarifier. And so when they were preparing for their meetings, you can imagine this friction and tension. And once they understood their preferences, oh, you're not trying to be angry with me. You're trying to satisfy your preference toward problem solving. And it completely changed the dynamic. 10 questions seems like a lot, Teresa. That's, uh, hey, um, but I, I, do, <laughs> I do have one other follow-up comment from Tim Kaczynski. Yeah. He says, our politicians could use this. <laughs> Uh, you know what, Tim, help me out here. You don't even know how many times I have reached out to, to all kinds of organizations, the Problem Solving Caucus, my own congressman. It, 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 if we knew about our, our problem solving preferences, we would know who was in the room. If everybody could learn the problem solving process, I'm telling you, there's not a problem we couldn't solve. Wow. What, no, uh, no music there, Spencer? No music? That was like a <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of the mic drop and then that music didn't really fit the mic drop uh <laughs> that's all i have i only moment, have that but... that's my last one before the outro so i didn't you know you can find some hey, more for me buddy no, it's all good it's all good it's a it's a clarifier over here teasing an implementer um but i i have found this so revealing i've learned things about myself uh i've been giving some thought Teresa, as to why i have these preferences i think it's important for us ourselves to do a little uh, internal questioning or assessment to understand why do I have this preference? Mm -hmm. And why is it that I prefer to do these things? And I don't prefer to be the implementer? You know, why is that? And and so I'm not going to go into the whole psychoanalysis of it all here. But I but I appreciate you giving us this opportunity to learn a little bit more about ourselves and about each other, because uh, it's it's certainly been uh, revealing to me. And it's also confirmed some things uh, about uh, Spencer. And and I appreciate him very much for just being willing to just go because if it wasn't for him, we would probably just still be talking about doing a podcast mm -hmm. instead of actually doing one. And, and so I, I give him a lot of credit, not only for keeping this going, but also for taking on a lot of responsibilities that uh, uh, I prefer not to do as an implementer. Mm -hmm. So he, mm -hmm. he is, he's pushing buttons and, and making this show happen, uh, because 
you know, he wants to do it and he's an implementer and gets things done. So I really, really uh, appreciate uh, you coming on and, and sharing all of these ideas with us today. Thank you. And, and Christian, you just, you just underscore, underscore, right? If, if our team is kind of like a piece of Swiss cheese, some of us make these plugs in these holes and gaps that we have. I always tell organizations, hire for skill, hire for skill, and then know who is on your team. The next time that you do have the opportunity to hire or to get a new teammate or to make a shift or an adjustment, an adjustment, know who's on your team. And if you have two equally qualified person, people, what would the team benefit from? Hire for skill, be cognitive of preference. If you had the opportunity to kind of plug a gap on the team, why wouldn't you do that with intent, with purpose, with strategy? So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to push buttons as fast as I can. But here's, uh, so here's an example of a team profile. Why don't you just tell us what, what we're looking at here and just describe for those who are listening on the podcast. Yeah, so our, our friends, our listeners as well, on the left-hand side, what you have is a graph that shows the individual profiles of uh, Spencer and Christian. And when you take the assessment, there's an interpretive guide, you get your own individual profile. The work that we then do is make a team profile that combines them. So what we have on this team profile, the, the great terrific news is that when we combine these two individuals onto a team, we have the areas of the entire creative problem solving process covered. If we just had folks like Spencer, we would have individuals that have preferences only toward ideating and implementing. That team profile shows on a team where we have high peaks and low peaks so that we can understand again who's just on the team so in this example each between the two of you you have somebody that has preferences toward clarifying the two of you have preferences toward ideating one of you toward developing and one of you toward implementing so kind of even if you didn't know anything about this kind of you've got your ground covered You've got your grounds covered. What happens when we look at a team profile that's significantly skewed, significantly skewed, many teams, it's crazy. You'll have a whole bunch of clarifiers that are also high implementers, right? So they understand and then they do, but they really don't have passion, interest to develop ideas or generate ideas. If, if you only have a group of clarifiers, you're, you're gonna stay stuck in understanding and not move toward action. So the two of you, as I said, come together nicely. You're not off the hook. You have an understanding of who's on the team and you can get things done. You know, I, we don't have a lot of time, but I, I would mm -hmm. say that it seems like, Teresa, that it is possible that we have bias in hiring or preferences for certain thought processes. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes we may have those skewed teams. Is that true in your experience? Absolutely. And there's a lot of research about that. When we do this reveal, when I'm in person or doing this virtually, I intentionally put like people together when they do an activity. And it feels like this perfect first date because they're solving the problem exactly like me. And then we realize, wow, we missed a whole lot of other things because we didn't take those parts of the problem into consideration. It, it's interesting, uh, Teresa, both uh, Christian and, our, and, and my spouse, our spouses are, are almost our opposite. Would you agree, Christian? Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. 
Yeah, my spouse is a lot like you. It's very much implementer, and and uh, your spouse is more like me. So it's it's kind of interesting how we ended up marrying <laughs> opposites. Well, Christian, I know. Why don't you uh, wrap us up here? Because I know we've got we need to share with our listeners some more great information about Teresa. All right. Well, Teresa, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. I mean that sincerely. Uh, I look forward to having continued conversations with you. If our listeners and our viewers, they want to learn more about Foresight, they want to learn more about how you can help their organizations creatively solve problems, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. So at the end of the slide, there's one up here now uh, that Spencer's put up. If you want to just hit that QR code, you can immediately connect with me on LinkedIn. My information is there. My telephone number is 716-536-4848. And my name, Teresa at internationaldeliverables.com. That's my company. I will help you administer, debrief, foresight, small teams, big teams, hundreds of people in the room, the entire organization, training on creative problem solving, training on project management and the intersection of creative problem solving, facilitation, certification training. There's lots that I do. If you, if you hit me up on LinkedIn, that really is your best place to find me. Just message me and I'm happy to stay in touch. And we can look at foresight and cognitive diversity virtually or in person. And take it from me, she's a, she's a great facilitator, entertaining, educational, and gets people to just comfortably get into action, which is, you know, that's where we learn, you know, by doing and, and experiencing. So, so well done. So glad to have you, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you, friends. It was terrific. Christian, you want to wrap us up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My video got caught in a little loop there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Spencer, if people want to learn more about how you are helping teams uh, reach their peak performance, how can they reach out to you? You know, the easiest and fastest way, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, Spencer on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and, and Tim Kaczynski on LinkedIn says, thank you, Teresa. And Christian, you are an incredible advisor, counselor. You know, you've, you've been consulting for years and years. How do people find you? Uh, LinkedIn, why not? Uh, find me, just look up Christian Napier, find me on LinkedIn. All right, listeners and viewers, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Please like and subscribe our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon. We'll